This is a Wild Conversation. Hi, my name is Kellen Hughes. I'm a zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And I'm Ashley Wysick, also zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And today on a Wild Conversation, we're going to be talking about a few uh, animal natural history that was, or understandings of that natural history that was actually debunked or completely false. Animal misconceptions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there are some super funny ones too. Um, back when we were trying to figure out how the world worked and where animals came from. Uh, I've got a really good example for you. All okay, right. okay. Yep, I'm ready. Tell me, Ashley. Oh, gosh. What do you know of the barnacle goose? I have heard of them exactly once just now. Sweet. That's good. <laughs> oh, no. That's, no, that, that is perfect, all right? So <laughs> tell me this. Why do you think the barnacle goose is called the barnacle goose? Uh, I don't know. I'm Any ideas just like off the top of your head? I just, I really feel like I'm walking into a trap. I don't know. Do they eat barnacles? Like, okay, do they no, no. sit on rocks like barnacles? Like, you see, I don't know, man. That's perfect, right? Okay, that's okay. the logical way of I'm thinking of it. I'm scared. But what if I told you oh, no. that allegedly, according to historians, the barnacle goose had the name before barnacles were called barnacles. Oh. And that barnacles were actually named after barnacle geese. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, conspiracy okay, okay, theory right okay. here, right? So um, back, back way when um, in parts of England or parts of Europe, you could see geese, you could see swans um, laying eggs and having uh, offspring. Yes. But barnacle geese, you didn't. And I think they came in the winter because they would nest in the Arctic Circle. Okay. But people weren't traveling up there and no one had an idea of birds migrating. So the assumption was because um, certain barnacles growing on driftwood looked like the neck of a goose and the barnacle shell looked like the head. So it was actually believed that barnacle geese came from barnacles growing on driftwood. What? Yep. Really? I kid you not. Oh my gosh. They, that, or that there was some tree that grew geese <laughs> and that it, a branch would fall <laughs> off into the water. I want, <laughs> I want a, I want a goose tree. <laughs> <laughs> but a barnacle goose tree. Oh my gosh, that's and amazing. It's not just the neck and the head. It's also like, cause they use some like featherly, like feather like appendages to feed some barnacles. So they just thought these were like, the feathers. Yeah. Oh. It was forming. A goose was forming on this piece of driftwood. That is hilarious. <laughs> I have never heard of that. No concept of migration. This made way more sense than the birds come here in winter and breed <laughs> just, somewhere else. Just like everyone was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That sounds right to me. That. I believe that. <laughs> but. Oh my gosh. Crazy, right? I have literally never heard of that. But all historians know is that barnacle geese had the name barnacle geese before barnacles, as far as we're concerned. Weird. Right? That's super weird. You can see some artwork for it, too. Oh, yeah? And uh, uh, medieval uh, natural historians would get a lot of stuff wrong. Um, if you ever want a good laugh on Google, okay. type in, like, um, bad medieval animal art depictions. You know what I'm imagining now is that sometimes when you're at home, you're just bored and you go on Google. <laughs> yep, <laughs> totally. But it's hilarious because... I believe it. Like back then, people wouldn't travel as much and the understanding of what was living in the world was really limited, right? Because travels wouldn't take you 
a few hours on a plane, it would take you months and months and you might even die on the voyage, right? Yeah. Um, and medicine was limited too, so you wouldn't know. So a lot of these people would either get um, information passed on from someone who actually witnessed this animal. So mm-hmm. he, let's say someone who's doing trade with someone told them about this animal who then told this to another person. It's who a then game of, game of a phone, phone <laughs> exactly. call. Exactly. Yeah. And then these artists finally drew them. I'll put them together and it's hilarious. They've got like hippos, which like, it's like a giant fish with legs and like tusks, like a, like a wild boar. I think I've seen those pictures actually. Yeah. yeah. No, it's insane. Because like, they've never seen one. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just what they imagine in their head. There's like a horse with hooves, a, a elephant that's got like horse legs with hooves, a tusks, sharp teeth. And like oh this gosh. really short trunk that looked more like a, or, it, or the trunk came out of the wrong spot on the animal. Like it was like underneath the belly or something. Oh my gosh. So like no idea what the animal looked like. That's so interesting though. Like to think about that. I don't know. Living in a world where I didn't know that animals existed in Africa sounds very sad. <laughs> They're like my favorite. It's one of my favorite continents. I could imagine. You've got to go on safari, I think. I do. Is that on your bucket point. list? It is. It is. But it's expensive. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Oh, my gosh. Maybe one See, day. when I think of animal misconceptions, I think of, I guess, like the more um, generic ones, like the ostriches stick their head underground right. when they're afraid and stuff like that. Ugh. Yeah, that, that's a common thing in cartoons, too. Yeah, they always stick their head underground. Uh, although, what they will do sometimes is they actually just lay very, very flat with their whole neck flat out on the ground to hide under the tall grass. I've seen my ostriches do it. They've given me part attacks. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm missing one. Wait, oh, it's right in front of me. Okay, hi. <laughs> and they look ridiculous because they have this huge long leg or necks and they just lay them completely flat out in front of them and they're just like i am grass there's no <laughs> logs out there right they're not coming from the logs right <laughs> oh but um other stuff too if, um, one animal i've had uh, someone here request that we talk about is wolverines okay because um, they're, they're pretty cool they're really cool animals they're intense you know their latin name no. It's it's really easy to remember if you ever hear it. It's Gulo Gulo. Gulo. Ex- Gulu Gulu or Gulo Gulo. Excuse you? Uh, pardon my pronunciation. I am or Googled, pronunciation. I'm Googling this. Do it. <laughs> but while you're Googling it, right, if you want a laugh, this is back to the medieval depictions. Okay. So okay, wolverines, okay. They, they survive by scavenging or picking off animals during the winter, right? Um, they're, they're carnivores and they're specifically designed or evolved in many ways to, to, uh, scavenge frozen meat. What's really cool about them that people often don't know is that their jaws, um, their molars or carnassials are actually in a right angle formation that jots into the mouth. Yeah. So it allows them to chew with the sides of their mouth on frozen meat and bone and get the most out of a kill when it would be frozen solid, like rock hard. That's, yeah, that's intense. Right. Um, but also because of their lifestyle of scavenging um, and having to travel long distances, they have to take in any food source, any opportunity they get and really get the fat in. And unfortunately, that's given them a reputation for being gluttons. 
their scientific name, Gulo Gulo, actually is glutton glutton. It literally says right here, Gulo Gulo, also referred to as the glutton. The glutton. <laughs> the glutton. That's hilarious. I did not know that. But its its reputation for being a glutton got so bad that it was also believed that this animal would eat so much food that it would find two trees that were close together and squeeze itself between those trees to force the poop out of its end, out of its back end. What? So it could eat more. And there are drawings depicting this. <laughs> I kid you not. Oh my gosh, people in the past are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, That's they're not, awesome. I mean, I, I kind of get for maybe fur trappers because yeah. what they'll do is they'll have a line with snares that they follow to catch like fur-bearing animals like martens or hares and in some parts lynx they think um and wolverines are super smart yep. so if they find these trapper lines they'll go straight down the line and they'll eat everything that they find on that line so i guess someone's like in a pub or a bar like complaining to his mates and they're going they're just so greedy they're just so gluttonous and the other guy's like yeah yeah i tell you what mate if they could like force the food out of their stomach through their back end and eat more, I reckon they do it. I reckon they do it's, it. It's probably exactly that, you know, <laughs> so one person over-exaggerates a bit and then someone takes that and over-exaggerates that and then it just gets out of control. Oh yeah. And then it's yeah. fact. It's fact studied by a natural historian. And fact. That's <laughs> why so you gotta be careful about where you get your facts from. True say. That's so funny. Um, one of the ones that I found really interesting um, lately is that there, disproving the theory of an alpha beta omega system in wolf packs oh yeah yeah that that's not really technically how wolves function you know mm. like they're actually finding that there's like they're still doing research and stuff on it but the original guy who coined the alpha term coined it by accident oh yeah so he that wasn't really what he was referring to you know, you see the, because usually in an alpha pack or in a wolf pack in the wild, it's often a pair, like a mom and a dad and a couple generations of their young. So that rest of the pack that they're keeping in line are their children, you know? Mm, I see. Just like you wouldn't call our fam, like a family of people, an alpha and alpha male and female. <laughs> and then all the betas are all their children. You know, it's. Like, they're kind of coming to an understanding now that the way we understand wolves may not actually be how they function. Good point. Naturally, you know? Yeah, if we had that wrong, it would have been Alpha Day on uh, last Sunday, which <laughs> okay, is Father's yeah. Day. Alpha Day. Did you send your Alpha anything for uh, Alpha Day? <laughs> I did not. He is out of country. Oh, man. When he gets back, he's going to bite your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, one of the things they're finding, though, is that this is really becoming a bit problematic because the way they understood it is they almost put wolf packs as like they compared it to the military mm. you know like that strict and stuff like that and so when it comes to dog training they're like you got to make sure that they understand that you're dominant you're the alpha but they're kind of kind of coming to understand that it's a little bit more complicated than that you know yeah. it's not just about being the toughest one it's about understanding the animal you're working with which i find fascinating when i found that out, i was just like excuse me what because I grew up always understanding Alpha and Beta and Omegas. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Alpha and Omega. Alpha, Alpha and Omega. Oh, yeah. 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 It's been years, but yeah, 
right? Totally. super weird. Once these ideas get out there, it can be hard to debunk them because they've become fact and so many people already believe in them, right? And that one's actually a pretty recent one. I think they... The whole alpha beta system became a thing in like the seventies. Mm. I don't know. Don't quote me. <laughs> no, I believe it. That's yeah. when a lot of uh, work was going on with the wolves. In yeah, so, that, and so that's a pretty new misconception, hmm. right? So, which is very interesting. It's interesting how we're learning every single day that we're wrong. Yeah, I, you know another <laughs> recent one. Uh, you yeah. ever heard um, the term that Komodo dragons? Yes, had a toxic bite. But mm-hmm. not because of venom, but because they had rotting meat and foul stuff between their teeth. It's all that bacteria. Exactly. It's all the bacteria in there. And that's, that's what it was actually believed. But oh, yeah. it was just someone's uh, assumption or someone's speculation. And it someone, wasn't someone was like, someone was like, that's cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it became fact. Because they do bite prey. Um, they can often take down deer and monkeys and uh, other animals in their environment pretty easy. But when it comes to water buffalo, which are introduced, they will often bite them, but the water buffalo will get away. Yeah. And then the water buffalo will die from an infection. And it was assumed that the Komodo dragon was um, the cause of, or the source of the infection. But what it was actually found is actually Komodo dragons are actually venomous. They have a venom that they secrete that actually uh, stops blood from clotting. So you continuously bleed. Your, your wound doesn't uh, seal up. And what the um, water buffalo, which are introduced, so their environment is one that usually uh, contains a lot of water, on the Komodo Islands, where the Komodo dragons are found, yep. it actually has very dry periods. So these guys go to these stagnant water holes and they wallow in that, which is full of the bison's poop and all that stuff with an uh, open wound. Yeah. And that's where the infection happens. Oof. It's not an example of the Komodo dragons planning it. It's just an animal. The prey species is kind of out of its environment. And when it gets hurt, it does its natural behavior, but it does it in the worst possible place. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. It's funny how we'll make assumptions like that about a lot of animals very much so some can be really damaging too have you ever heard of um shark cartilage um, being used as a cancer treatment oh no yeah so um there was a a study um done uh, back to check how cartilage could limit uh, the number of blood vessels going to tumors Oh. And people realized there's not, uh, or doctors or scientists realized that there wasn't many blood vessels or none in cartilage. Yeah. So if you um, introduce cartilage to a tumor, would something inside the cartilage, like a hormone or a message, stop the blood vessels from forming and stopping the growth of the tumor? Hmm. So they did this originally with cartilage from rabbits, um, and it worked, or it worked in the initial studies. Um, then someone else tried it for uh, using shark cartilage, and I believe in that study it worked. But this is probably introducing the cartilage directly to the tumor. Yeah. Now, someone seeing this study saw a business opportunity and actually published a book called uh, Sharks Don't Get Cancer. Oh. And it was widely believed that sharks do not get cancer at the time because of this book. Um, But this person who had that book um, or made that book, published it, actually had a company or his son had a company that was um, selling or harvesting sharks from the sea and selling shark cartilage as an alternative 
treatment for cancer. So it wasn't someone who was a scientist who had proven something. They were just... Ugh. And they had TV uh, uh, talks on TV shows oh and they had gosh. patients um, say how it saved their lives and stuff like that. Um, but there was no scientific proof huh. that ingesting, I should remind you, ingesting like shark eating, cartilage. Just eating it. No, yeah. that doesn't do anything. Because like... If I, if you take medication wrong, it doesn't do the effect. It's true. If I apply my inhaler onto my skin, I'm still going to have an asthma attack, right? It's, yeah. Um, and it's cartilage. It doesn't have to be from a shark. And cartilage, I don't know if scientists are able to recreate cartilage <laughs> growth in the lab already since they can yeah. already do it with meat. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of people believed in it. And because of it, a lot of sharks were harvested for their cartilage. Oh, that's um, awful. No, I've never heard of that. Yeah. And it, I also just have the image now of taking like a Tylenol pill and just rubbing it on my arm. Exactly. <laughs> why that's in my head now. Just I like, mean, why isn't it working? When you eat something, it breaks down in your system. Yeah. If you're eating cartilage, you might as well just buy a bunch of chicken legs and eat that. It's You'd true. probably get more cartilage and it'd probably be cheaper than buying the medication. Um, which doesn't work or hasn't been proven to work. In fact, the writer of the book was um, banned from publishing anything else and was sued a million for uh, false, false oh, wow. uh, information. So that's just another misconception. And to top it off, we now know that sharks do get cancer. Oh. In fact, they have found tumors inside the shark's cartilage because sharks don't have bones. They, they have a skeleton made out of cartilage. Yeah. So they found tumors growing in shark cartilage as well. It's like, not only was this not right, but it was really not right. <laughs> exactly. Oh. That's crazy. And it affects our culture too, right? Like it does. Like, some misconceptions. Like, I'm sure you've heard this, crocodile tears. Yes. Right? I have. Um, I, I know you tear up a lot, Ashley. So I, I do. I, I cry all the time. Why would you point that out? You'll make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just turn around and go, they're crocodile tears. But <laughs> they're not. Well, they, to me, you're being know. disingenuous and, that you're, and, and, and that's I not did. true. I'm sorry. I'm not making an accusation. <laughs> I'm just sensitive. So you know what? I'm sorry. Um, but the idea comes that a crocodile will shed tears when it's eating. Uh, its prey and the idea is that it does this to pretend it feels bad for the animal or to lure in other animals that are like oh you didn't mean to do that and get more food um, oh my gosh funny thing is though they did do a study to see if this was true not on all crocodiles just caiman and okay. they did find out I, and this isn't a, a massive study because it needs a huge base a huge number of individuals to get an accurate measurement five out of seven caimans that they fed on land um, did tear up as they were eating. Um, and some animals, some crocodilians, like saltwater crocodiles and uh, American crocodiles that go in the salt, use it to shed out excess salt um, as well when they're on the bank. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so it's, it is a natural process, but the, sh the crocodile isn't doing it to get sympathy, but it's a big part of our culture now because when we are accusing someone of pretending to mourn or pretending to feel bad about something, we'll say crocodile tears. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's interesting how it kind of shapes our culture. In fact, there's actually a medical condition that is um, sometimes nicknamed uh, crocodile's tear syndrome. And this is uh, related to uh, Bugard's syndrome. I might be mispronouncing it. Okay. It's uh, a type of uh, facial paralysis. 
um, and uh, as a result, whenever uh, people suffering from this eat, they actually tear up. Oh, so interesting. It's actually I wonder a if name I, of a condition. I wonder if I have a condition that I just don't know about, and that's why I cry constantly. <laughs> Maybe you've got I'm a lot white. of excess salt. Have you checked your sodium levels? I have not recently, <laughs> but I don't like salt, so that would be very depressing. True. Because there's nothing to cut out. Maybe that's why you're crying. You don't like salt. You're just getting it out of your body. Honestly, maybe I should be eating more salt. I'm probably releasing so much all the time. Well, if anyone has any questions for us regarding uh, misunderstandings to animal behavior or or animals in general, please do not hesitate to email us at podcast at gvzoo.com or DM us on our social media. I'm Callum Hughes. And I'm Ashley Wysick. And this has been... A Wild Conversation.